Welcome back to the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. Today, we're going to talk about war and wine in the Ukraine. And we took a look at a video um, was released of a demo of Canna, which is the um, machine that can produce whatever beverages you would like. At least that's the promise. Um, this is episode 26 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. And I'd like to welcome back all of our insiders. We have Seb from, <laughs> from Trolley. Seb? Good to be here. Lori from Outshinery. Hi there. Nick from Wine Owners. Hello. And Jonathan from Bottle Books. Hello, everyone. Um, so there is a war in Ukraine. Um, it started um, uh, about a week ago, and um, it is a disaster for everybody. I think we can probably safely say that. So many levels. Um, and uh, famously, um, U- Ukraine uh, lost uh, a bit of winemaking when um, they lost uh, Crimea to Russia. Yeah. Um, and uh, there is, they do take a stand at ProWine um, and they are wanting to try to go there um, to not, you know, to keep promoting the products. ProWine, of course, has been under, under lockdown and hasn't had a, an event in, in two years. Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board is banning Russian products um, and companies it's, are pulling out of Russia. It's not just Pennsylvania. It's not just Pennsylvania, like a lot, I think, uh, across Canada as well. Seb, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of Russian product, I think, uh, got pulled out as well from the LCBO and everything. So Ontario, I haven't checked the BC Liquor store here in Vancouver, but like there was, um, it was mostly, you know, like the word of spirits when we think of like, you know, alcohol, Russian alcohol, the reality is we don't drink a lot of the champagne, saying that with quotation mark, as we know, <laughs> especially coming from France, uh, myself. But um, yeah, it's just like, I think overall, it's like, a, a like it's not a game, but it's just very much like canceling Putin and to cancel Putin, you have to cancel Russia. And it's just kind of like all together. Um, like I haven't had a chance to drink uh, Ukrainian wine myself. And uh, one thing that I've been fascinated um, by, and I didn't realize that much, is how much of a cultural, agricultural powerhouse uh, Ukraine is. Like, obviously, when it comes to like wheat and sunflower and um, like grapes and everything, and it's just like the repercussion for their own country, but how much they were like feeding and providing to other countries, especially in like Northern Africa. Um, yeah, it's it's a long, hard time for Ukrainian and beyond. Yeah. It's really the breadbasket of, of Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ireland, I think they've issued um, warnings to the farmers that they should be considering to plant um, to plant grasses this year because of I think they they mm-hmm. source a lot from from the Ukraine. So it's had, it's going to be going to have some wide yeah. ram, ramifications. And I, this, yeah. this is probably just some of my ignorance, but I, I didn't re- I didn't realize this until um, reading some of the articles how uh, how much of a winemaking region, how much winemaking yeah. was done in Crimea, um, and that they had already um, lost as part of as part of that war. And then, um, yeah, wish we could do more. It feels so so far away um, that way. But I think you 
you did, I mean, in your in your own measure, like you you did something like a fundraising or something. Like, what did you do to help Ukraine? Yeah, one of our one of our one of our retailers, um, one of our retailer clients, IG Wines, are doing a fundraiser. So they have connections with Moldova, and I guess there's a lot of um, Ukrainians coming over the Moldova border as refugees, um, and um, they're doing a they're doing a they're doing a wine auction basically so um, okay. along with a whole bunch of other people i suspect i've stuck in some of my own wines as a as a way of trying to help out right yeah. um, that's all you can do that's what you can do really you you know mm -hmm. is to is to try and provide cash for people who um you know have been um dislocated from 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 their lives and uh yeah. The rest, unfortunately, is not for us to sort out. It's funny, like when you mentioned cash, I'm not sure if you guys have been following and it's um, linking to like more like the tech subject, but how all of a sudden Airbnb is becoming a payment method um, to get cash yep. into Ukrainians' hands. Yep. Uh, really, really fascinating. I was listening to another podcast yesterday, even thinking, like, could it be almost like... Um, an expansion in a way of Airbnb, a sort of method payment where they almost issue their own, you know, credit card or something like that. It's just how like, you know, like take at this creativity uh, that way. So we're just curious, like it's tech related, it's not wine, but like it was, it's fascinating how the world has been embracing mm. Airbnb. Uh, yeah, okay. Like I, I booked, I booked two weeks of an Airbnb uh, and yeah, okay, good. There's some money going there, but they don't even have food to buy with that yeah. money. Yeah, the there's been a lot of um, obviously canceling of rush on the B two B level, um, but what also kind of caught me off guard was talking to a few businesses recently that um, use freelancers um, from yes. Russia, and so yeah. it's not really exactly B two B, but it's actually um, you know having some discussions um and probably some direct actions that they will stop working with the freelancers from there so it's not just sort of because a lot of the i think a lot of the companies that have uh paused actions or paused business in russia are still um uh looking for ways to pay their their staff uh, but yeah look I'm, I'm curious because i was talking to a few wineries around how uh, their supply chains are being affected. We work with smaller wineries, so very few of them are exporting in the European, like north of Europe. Um, and the challenge I really think is going to be on the overall inflation and a, like the whole pricing mix has been a problem in the wine world for so long. And a lot of wineries are trying to think, okay, well, I'm going to have to raise my price. I'm going to have, and they don't really know how, and they kind of, uh, they don't know how to value their product and their costs are going up. And, and I think we're going to see fairly quickly wine being a luxury product. We're going to see some prices starting to go up despite an overall global oversupply. Um, so what about from a tech perspective uh, there? was an article or there was news that maybe Russia would just shut off the internet from Russia from the rest of the world, which sounds um, insane, but in some ways, um, China has a has a firewall and there seems to be, you know, two or maybe three um, worlds developing. Uh, Jonathan, you've had experience trying to to 
make bottle books work in China? How, you know, what is that like? There, I mean, there's there's entire businesses set up around getting your content and in into China, and some of them have done a really have made it really easy for companies to get their content into China. Um, I think there's um, so it's. I think over time, there can be there will be ways that are found to get around it. I mean, you also have the the uh, tour and everything like that to to get through. Um, but not everybody, people still have to learn that technology, which they haven't had to do in, in, in Russia, maybe to the same extent as in other, other countries. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely a challenge because you have the two, the two levels. One is um, that they filter out um, anything from Google period. Um, and then in, if they tie your website to a business of a type that they disapprove of, then they'll block the content as well. Um, and mm -hmm. so that the, the filters are quite, um, can be quite sophisticated, but then they hit at certain times unevenly. Um, and so it's really about whack-a-mole uh, to keep the connections up. Um, but you also even start seeing this in Europe um, compared to, and, and, and some fragmentation compared to the US um, where there have been um, so the old, um, all around the GDPR topics, so the old common clauses um, are no longer valid, new policies had to be brought into place, and lip service to data management was no longer seen as sufficient. And so there's also a question of, um, you know, is it legally permissible to use technology um, that comes from a US company? Forget the fact that it's hosted in Europe. Is it actually legally permissible to use a US company who might, um, who, and so it's, I, I don't think that that's, you know, you don't see a lot of people running for the hills. Um, I think, so it's still kind of, it's still fuzzy, but the, there is legislation that does make you question whether uh, sitting in Europe, you're able to use, you're able to use software uh, that comes from outside of, or do software as a service that comes from outside of, of Europe. And, and what is the cost of this? I mean, um, anybody can pick this up. It, this is, there, I assume there's a financial cost to having divided internet, but there's got to be also um, a cost to how how quickly everything will advance. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it seems like this is really going backwards. Nick, you're nodding. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to add, really. Um, it does, it, and it's um, it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's it's it, it's it, it's it's quite worrying, isn't it? Um, yeah. But uh, it's like it's yeah, it's 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 insane that we're even considering it. Um, mm -hmm. I think, look, overall, cutting off the internet or or, or Russia building its own firewall. Um, ultimately, look, if they wanted to, fine. Same as China, right? If they want to control their internet and their people, fine. Um, overall, as businesses and as an economy, again, I think Russia imports a lot of goods. We do a lot of business with Russia genuinely. But in the scheme of things, it's fairly minute, yeah. right? 
uh, you have a look at how much, I think Germany would be hit a whole much harder, right? Germany and Russia do have a pretty solid, hmm. I was reading about 30 billion a year worth of uh, German exports into Russia. It's a decent chunk, right? Uh, when you look at the US, I think it was eight or nine billion a year. Uh, and if you look at the US Canada relationship, last time I checked was about three or 400 billion, mm-hmm. right? So ultimately, there's only a handful of countries who really have a really tight relationship, a valuable relationship with Russia. And if you cut that off, look, it'll make you know life a bit harder. But I really think we're underestimating the other way around how by cutting off, as I was saying earlier, the, the, some of the food, some of the wheat, some of the, the produce um, and the oil. I mean, we're seeing right now the oil prices and the petrol prices going up. I think the impact is going to be felt by everyone on the planet far more. I mean, the Russians right now are more or less fucked, right? Well, and I think, it's unfortunate. I think, I think they, 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 they probably took the view, to your point, that, that the West would um, not sanction them on those things that the West needed. Uh, but they obviously will, and we will go through some pain over the next couple of years. It's going to be a, oh, yeah. a very bumpy ride. But I think what will also happen it will, is it will put an absolute rocket under renewables. And I think that That's it's going to completely transform the landscape in a much shorter period of time than otherwise would have been the yeah. case because the West is waking up to the danger of being dependent on unreliable countries. Yeah, I've been reading it, but like how like some experts is just like, okay, like so NATO and everything is not going to war. And again, that's not a subject of expertise, but when it comes to renewable and everything, they're like, what if we put a war effort towards it? Right? Like just like okay, we're not at war, but like if we if we claim a war effort um toward like sustainable like there's a lot that can be done when there is a what's the english saying when there is a will there is a way or something like mm-hmm. that like you know like well, it's, exactly and you know look at a world in five years time where europe and and significant parts of the world have shed or significantly reduced their reliance on oil and natural mm-hmm. gas where does that leave russia mm-hmm. they don't have they don't have the same leverage oh. over their um customers as they do today yeah. uh, and, and that is almost certainly going to be the journey and and okay. i and as i say i think it's going to be it's going to be a tough couple of years or so i think you know we're going to see inflation and potentially stagflation possibly possibly not given given the backdrop uh, of growth that we had prior to that which i guess wasn't the case in the 70s with the oil shock right mm-hmm. um but but I think it will be quite tough for a couple of years. Canna, who we talked about um, in a previous podcast, which is the digital printer for all drinks is what they promise. Um, they kind of claim that uh, less than 1% of any drink that you drink, including wine, um, is essentially mostly, um, it's a, a 99% water or maybe some alcohol um, and the rest is flavor, color, taste, mouthfeel. Um, and so they have now demoed this um, printer. And um, uh, Seb, tell us what you thought of the demo. Uh, I didn't actually see the demo. I listened to the demo uh, as a podcast. Uh, so I don't know if the machine looks good. Uh, but from what I... 
It does. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's all. Lori, that maybe I should go to you. Lori, forget As long that. as the machine Laurie, looks good on my countertop. It's like, I mean, yeah, from a design standpoint, you know, it's very Apple looking, you know, like smooth edges, like brushed aluminum, really good lighting. Like I think to spend a lot of time, like making sure so where it pours the liquid, it also has very nice light. So like as your liquid is being made, like it just looks very pretty. <laughs> like, you know, like it's just kind of, uh, and it's especially more interesting because, you know, like uh, the way demonstrating like a uh, blueberry drinks, so it's got this purple, new color that was just like shining through and then um yeah like but it's it's very nespresso but with less nerves like what was impressive is like a box with a cut out corner and round edges and then just a touch screen right like there's no no knob no nothing nothing to apparently to kind of clean no nozzle like it's just yeah but back to you Seb this was my description and by it's, the way it's it is like light it's, gray. It's... <laughs> I'm pretty sure anyone launching consumer products today wants to be Apple inspired, right? Or, or, or Nespresso <laughs> inspired, right? We just know that the product has to be pretty schmick overall. Um, look, it's interesting um, overall to see. We knew we knew it was going to work, right? We knew that they would be able to, the, the 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 chemical deconstruction that they'd explained before does make sense, right? Um, ultimately. Just to, to if, if anyone has missed the previous episodes, ultimately, most of the beverages being sold around the world are 99% water. So transportation, cost, warehousing, cost, it's, it's literally all space to house and transport water. Uh, and we all have a tap at home with a fairly reasonable quality of water, right? Which can be further filtered. So might as well try and just have a machine hooking up to the tap and just adding different molecular compound to make the water taste like any drink. So the, the, the premise makes a plenty of sense. Um, what I thought was interesting is that the, so in terms of wine, for those who, who are interested in wine, they are basically saying that they're currently able to reproduce a wine of about, I think it was 1992 points. Yeah. Um, so they, they can reproduce something that would be fairly similar to wine. Uh, it's not great wines, right? But it's, it is wine that you can have pretty much on demand at home. Uh, mm -hmm. And there is, from the limitation perspective, they were suggesting uh, the mouthfeel, right? Yeah. The thickness in the liquid, the, that's something that they're still working on, right? So that's going to be a, big, a, a bit of a question mark, really. Um, and as also, I was surprised to hear about their, their business model and the way they were going to price it, right? So as a consumer, you have to buy the machine. And then for every drink that you make, you have to pay for the drink individually, right? At the end of the month on the subscription base, kind of a, on, on your credit card. But they're aiming for about 25% off retail, right? Mm -hmm. Which... I thought was really interesting because it's not going to, it's, it's, it's a saving, but it's not a significant saving mm -hmm. on top of the fact that I have a few hundred bucks, maybe a thousand bucks to put a machine on the machine first and foremost. Mm -hmm. I, I thought, I thought overall, that's probably going to be, I mean, at least for the time being, it might be the saving grace of a lot of beverage producers. 
because <laughs> the consumer might turn around and say, well, it's not the same. It doesn't look, it's, it's average wine, it's average cola, it's average drinks. And for a little bit more, I can get the real thing that's actually really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, it's an inter interesting, I'll, I'll be curious to see how it all develops. I do think, I think uh, we were discussing it before, I do think uh, if you look at the Nespresso timeline, if you look at the Canna timeline, if you look at the overall reaching of consumers at a scale, look, I do think it's a five years, five, potentially up to 10 years before it scales beyond the US and to every household around the world. Well, even just simply the, the size of it puts it off, off the market for the majority of the world because, you know, that's uh, it's an interesting little device, but do you really want to sacrifice that much uh, counter yeah. counter real estate to it? So mm -hmm. they need to get it down to an espresso, <laughs> an espresso <laughs> size um, yeah. uh, machine. But your point about the 25% off, I think it's probably their... You know, I think part of the original pitch wasn't it to be able to supply recipes from lots of different vendors. Yeah. And so if you're just going to offer a, a markdown, but you first have to pay a couple grand or get a subscription or whatever to the service, you could see that they could probably persuade some vendors uh, um, to go with uh, to go with them. Um, yeah. In, I think it's right. Yeah. They're, they're trying to get coke they're trying to get everyone to just put their recipes on there put their stuff on there yeah. to, to build the market uh, the challenge or the opportunity would be let's look at the other round the opportunity is that a winemaker would ultimately be able to just create a drink out of thin air right or just mm -hmm. have their wines analyzed and have that wine to be quote printed anywhere mm -hmm. on the planet um, at, at a reduced price, but when you look at margins in distribution, especially around wine, uh, a, a lot of the margins absorbed in the supply chain, right? Mm -hmm. The producer, a $20 bottle in, in sold in the SAQ in Quebec, the producer sees about $3.95, four bucks, mm -hmm. right? So if the producer can sell more or less direct, I'd be curious to see what it's going to do with alcohol. I'll be because the government's yeah. like the SAQ is not going to allow Canada to just print wine in Quebec. Yeah, for sure. Excuse like my French, is... no fucking way. <laughs> no, for sure. Like that, like that's the interesting part. Like the, how do I do the, you know, three tier system work? One thing is what Canada that is worth pointing out is the level of customization from the user perspective as well. Uh, right, like you said, just be like, oh, like I want this wine, but I want a lower percentage of alcohol, and like this, like so. There is also that level that right now is not available in, um, you know, like in the general market. I don't know how many people would actually customize and customization. Like everything, like you like it as a concept, but then it's a lot of work to make it up each time. Um, but like there's this, there's this appeal, right? Like we of like, yeah, this is my said wine but with my twist on it or something like that so that's the like a lorry a lorry wine <laughs> it's like mic it's like microwaves right they all compete on yeah. all the features and you end up using yeah. like two or three of the 300 features that you bought with your microwave <laughs> totally the same. Oh, yeah, 100% Nick but what are your thoughts yeah so um uh like Seb I was most interested in the paper drink model um, I thought that was, you know, I thought that was interesting. Uh, it fits beautifully with the on-demand economy, if you like. Um, of course, you have to, 
you have to cover your capital costs and the costs of, of, of making the machine in the first place. And of course, if you don't get people to pay something for a machine up front, then um, how are you going to guarantee that they're actually going to be motivated to um, uh, to make enough drinks for your pay on demand model to to stack up? So I think those two things are interesting. Um, they're obviously they obviously think that they're going to maybe cover their costs or make a little bit of money up front. They're going to make most of their money and presumably an enormous margin potentially on pay on demand, and they're going to make money from um, producers whose uh, where the, where their where their brands um, you know where they're prepared to put their brands uh, in the machine or on the machine or whatever the right way of describing it is and and uh, and so they'll make money as well out of um, the, uh, the 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 printing on demand because I guess um, that there'll be some sort of revenue share there. So I think I think it's a I think it's a, I think it's an interesting business model. Um, like Laurie, I have no idea if it will work or not, but certainly, <laughs> you know, it ticks it ticks all the boxes in terms of, you know, uh, how do you build a business that you can spin off for a hundred million dollars in a few years' time or whatever, um, or a billion, should I say? Um, so, um, but beyond that, um, I'm not particularly interested in the product as a device for making wine. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I think we've talked about that before. Um, if I was, if I was, if I had deals with sommeliers, as I think we, we mentioned in the previous, in the previous yeah. call, and, and we were remanufacturing wine in our basements, then that might be different, but that's not really a market. And um, so, so from that perspective, I'm not really interested. I'm, I'm not really interested in in the idea of additive alcohol. I'm interested in the idea of a natural product where alcohol is the byproduct of a fermentation process. Um, <laughs> call me old fashioned, right? <laughs> yeah, old school. <laughs> and look, it's it's also it's also wine is a fairly traditional industry. Um, and I mean, we, we cannot we cannot ignore the large component of consumers who buy the two ninety nine two buck chuck at Trader Joe. Mm -hmm. Right? There's a lot of wine being consumed that's a sub ten dollar bottle kind of a wine. Um, and that market, look, it's it's a big chunk. I'm not sure what's the, the overall ratio. It's a big chunk. That market will be served relatively well. So if I was if I was Constellation, if I was Gallo, I would probably kind of go, huh. Yeah, okay. Wait, is it but, but really? But it's a, so? but it is a price sensitive market. Yeah, but it's a price sensitive market. So why are they going to go out and pay a grand uh, yeah. to no, no? To, but I mean, to, I mean, to make, the launch, three, to make three bucks chuck at home. No, but the idea is that the launch, the launch price is about a couple hundred bucks, sub a grand, and they were basically saying it's probably going to be cheaper uh, okay. as technology gets better. Um, mm -hmm. And look, I, I'm kind of looking at the number of the like the convenience of nespresso nespresso is expensive right a dollar per capsule but, give but take guess, what? guess what there's there's a product inside the capsule called coffee <laughs> oh no no i mean there's no there's no doubt i mean sorry sorry when you say there is a product 
I would argue there is a tiny, minute fraction of a product. It's still being manipulated in some way, shape, or form. And if you look at the crema being produced out of an espresso machine, it's nothing to do with a proper crema coming out of it does, but it's not, but it nevertheless, to your earlier point, creates but the, the argument is mouthfeel. consumers, even though it's it's expensive, consumers are also you're still going for it and 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 that's the convenience aspect of it you don't need to stock up on anything you don't need to clean up anything you don't need to return the bottles because there's a deposit on the bottle there's nothing and that's where i think there's a large amount of the consumers if they can get to your point jonathan if you, if they can get the business model where they could lease it right or they could have the machine to be on a after pay kind of a model Right, where hey, you get all the drinks you want in your home, and you're gonna save 25% of all your drinks. Yeah. And bundled with the look, I call it the, the Western North American consumerism. Everyone's gonna want one of those machines. It's gonna be the cool <laughs> thing. They're gonna leave it there and maybe never use it. <laughs> um, so yeah, if I if I was a if I was a gallo or constellation, if I if I may just say this, I think Nespresso identified a problem in the market which was that there was a lot of coffee being made at home and it was either not of particularly good quality or it was hard to get the consistency yep. in that product yep. in 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 this case i'm not sure that there is a parallel i'm not sure that there is a problem i think that there is a product that needs there to be a problem and therefore it's articulate the problem is articulated in a certain way uh, but, I, I think, but, I, but i'm with jonathan i think jonathan's point of view is well if i'm going to be buying a ten dollar bottle of wine and i've got four people coming around for dinner i'm going to buy two bottles of wine and they're going to drink two glasses each uh, and the alternative is that i pay two dollars 99 to print a glass of something that's approximate to what it is that I bought in a bottle. However, you know, however straightforward that product may be, but but it's probably okay actually. Um, I don't know. I I I I I don't see a whole bunch of consumers going around and and going. I, I don't like the fact that I'm buying bottles. I I don't like the fact that brands are selling me products that have gone halfway around the world i'm, I'm not sure people care well, that much well i think the one thing that i would i would taper my 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 criticism on on that is that um we are obviously in this circle all very focused on wine um, yes, but there are a lot of soft drinks um out there and that might be a more likely target because that probably the the price per glass. I mean, you can see what you're paying at the gas station for a price per uh, for a price a glass of or a, for a Coke or something there. So it, it might be that um, it like printing wine is the gimmick function. It's like yeah. saying it's like a microwave saying that it's got a special pizza function. The specialized pizza button on a microwave and said that they really enjoyed that pizza. You know, that's okay. You haven't when was the last time you had real pizza? But you know, the rest of what it does, you know, like warming up your coffee that you made with your Nespresso machine, but you you drink so slowly that it got cold. But 
you know, yeah. sure, the microwave does great to warm up the coffee two or three times so that you can get it <laughs> empty. But um, I don't know. I think it's from a wine perspective. I think, yeah, I, I'm going to be skeptical. I'm going to put myself in the very skeptical right. column there. Yeah. Um, but for somebody to print a Coke at home or print a seven up or um, something that was already 100% artificial or a cocktail, maybe that's something that you could see people or co- exactly a cocktail. I mean, there's a website a year ago is like bartender dot with a bar. Anyway, you put in all the ingredients in the kitchen and then it would tell you what you could make with all the ingredients, what drinks were you could make uh, where you're missing one ingredient, missing two ingredients, missing three ingredients. And this way you're never missing any ingredient to make that cocktail. Um, but Oh yeah, and look, I think uh, just just to go back onto the the um, the, the the problem uh, argument, you're you're correct, Nick, that Nespresso was really addressing a, a specific problem in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all of us on here are fairly knowledgeable when it comes to wine, right? We're we're quite enjoying some pretty decent quality wines, and we've had wines from all around the globe the globe thanks to our business background uh, we're potentially underestimating the problem of an average consumer walking into a bottle shop and going uh, 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 every time i'm being told buy this and i don't like it <laughs> and and that kind of a consumer who has a friend or who hears of a YouTuber who's released a new recipe or any, you know, Tibucha kind of a wine that I can just press a button and it's, it's there. And mm-hmm. if I need one bottle, I have one bottle. If I need 25 guests to have, uh, again, the cheaper wines are far more threatened than the high level kind of wines because the average consumer buying the cheaper wines really doesn't know or doesn't care or doesn't really comprehend the breadth, the traditions, the complexity uh, of wine, right? Without wanting to sound like an absolute fucking snob. So that, <laughs> that's a problem that might be addressed. So the bottle shops might increasingly start carrying better quality products, I would assume, you know? Well, uh, that was episode 26 of the Wine Tech Insiders podcast. I'd like to thank all of our insiders, Seb from Trolley, Lori from Outshinery, Nick from Wine Owners, and Jonathan from Bottle Books. We'll see you all in a few weeks. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. Stay safe. Stay out of you.